thank you, Bell. Thank you, Bell. And thank you, worship team, for just leading us before the throne of grace. We can just give them a hand of encouragement and bless the Lord for the way that you just use them mightily this morning. Amen. Amen. Well, yes, I want to encourage all of us to attend our prayer meeting. It's just once a month. And uh, it's just via um, Zoom, right in the, the privacy and comfortability of your own home. And so uh, just mark it on your calendar even now. Just give you a reminder. We just meet once a month. It's just an hour at 730. And we would just love to see everyone with us in prayer. And also, uh, for those of you who have been around the church, one of our visions is church is family. And one of the tangible ways that we want to live out church's family is in our small group ministry. It's called our DCs. And so if you were here for that um, series, you just know that that's a profound uh, implementation that God desires for us to live out in his word. And so let's just be proactive in that. And let's make a commitment this year to just be family to one another in the context of small groups. Well, as we're, as I'm encouraging you to be in prayer uh, and to join us this month. Today, we're going to continue to talk about prayer. As we talked about a couple weeks ago, continuing in our series, Spiritual Warfare, in Ephesians. And what I talked about a couple weeks ago is the fact that prayer deploys, <clears throat> excuse me, the armor. Prayer actually is an integrated part in all of the pieces of the armor. And just to give some examples, you hear the prayer of help my unbelief in the Gospels. And that's the shield of faith. You hear, sanctify them, Jesus says, by your truth. And he's praying to the Father in John chapter 17. And then he says, your word is truth. So he's engaging in prayer around the belt of truth and the sword of the Spirit. Keep me from temptation and the evil one, which is the Lord's prayer. And that is the breastplate of righteousness. Your kingdom come, your will be done. Even Paul in Ephesians chapter 6 verse 19, as we will see later on, he prays that, he asks the Ephesians to pray for him that he might ultimately proclaim the gospel boldly. And so here you then have the fit ready for the gospel of peace, as well as bringing about the helmet of salvation. Here's the reality. As much as we've been talking about spiritual warfare, going through all of the different areas of the armor within spiritual warfare, if you want to experience the power of God's armor in your life, against the assault of Satan over you in some area in your life, prayer must be a central and integral part. And prayer is difficult. It's hard. I was just talking to uh, someone close to me just yesterday, talking about the idea of the fact that when she prays, it gets to a point where her mind just wanders. And so it's funny because I told her, I just talked about that last week, and guess what? Me as a pastor, well, I, my mind wanders too. She was like, oh, I feel better now. I feel better now. If your mind wanders and you're a pastor, then I'm in good company. And so I, I know prayer is hard. It's difficult. It's a challenge. And if you find yourself having a difficult time in your own prayer life, I just want to encourage you even to listen to that message as I discussed and talked about some of those things. So Paul, if you have your Bibles, tells us in Ephesians chapter 6 verse 18, if you could turn with me there, Ephesians chapter 6 verse 18 back to the verse that we spoke about a couple weeks ago. He says in verse 18 of chapter 6, praying at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication, to that end keep alert, with all perseverance making supplication for all the saints. 
Here he tells us to be watchful, is what I used a couple weeks ago. I get that from the second part of the verse in verse 18. To that end, keep alert. And here's the reality. The reason why he's telling us to keep alert is because Satan is real, and we've talked about him. Satan is after you. He is after your faith. He is after your peace. He is after your rest. He is after your contentment. He is after your faith. He's after any and everything that God wants you to find in him that you might find the kind of release, freedom, and joy that can be found in him. And that's why Peter tells us in 1 Peter chapter 5, be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around. He is prowling even now as I preach. Even now in the middle of these pews, he is attempting to try to distract you, to discourage you, to keep you from getting what God has for you right now. And so Paul encourages us in verse 19 and verse 18 to engage in watchful prayer. And we defined watchful prayer a couple weeks ago as a daily movement of prayer where you are constantly acknowledging the presence of God among you, bringing the Holy Spirit into those places and spaces where the devil wants to get a foothold. And we've talked about spaces and places where the devil likes to get foothold. He likes to get a foothold in all the areas where we find ourselves either having unfulfilled desires or suffering. And he wants to bring you into anger, bitterness, resentment, frustration, discouragement. Those are all the places and spaces where the devil wants to be in. And what watchful prayer does is you actually watch and meditate before God on the very things that are coming to your mind and your heart throughout the day where the devil can come into those places and spaces. So first, watchful prayer is you watch for your areas of unbelief. What areas in your life are you finding yourself in unbelief? Second, where are your disordered desires? And third, where are your sinful attitudes? And it's in prayer that you bring these things before the Lord with the Holy Spirit present. Really what watchful prayer is in verse 18 can be summed up in Psalm 139, 23 through 24. Where Paul says, search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts and see if there's any grievous way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. That's watchful prayer. But the question I have for us this morning is this. What is to accompany watchful prayer so that you might do what Paul says here and stand against the evil one? And then how are we to engage in it? What must come alongside watchful prayer, discipline that you must exercise so you can experience victory, so the devil can't come in and get a space, and how ultimately do you gauge in that? As I constantly encourage you right now, I want to ask you, where is an area of victory in your life right now that you're longing for? The one thing I want you to do is, is in preaching, myself and Pastor James, we want you to be active participants. This isn't for entertainment. This isn't for you to just stop, listen, and then hear me talk. Right now, the Holy Spirit is at work. Right now, the devil is at work. Right now, your flesh is at work. Right now, the Word of God is wanting to be at work. And you have to engage in it. And so what I first want to ask you to do is, what are the areas where you want to find victory? The places in your life where you know the devil wants to get a space. Where's the bitterness? 
Where's the resentment? Where's the discontent? Where's the discouragement? Where's the envy? Where's the strife? Where's the gossip? Where is it and what is it for you in that relationship, in that situation? I want you to bring that before your heart and your mind right now. And I want you to walk with that thing throughout the entire time and hear what God has to say to you in his word. So if you haven't already, please turn with me to Ephesians chapter 6 and also turn to the book of Colossians. Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. Colossians chapter 3. Ephesians chapter 6 and Colossians chapter 3. And when you get there, say hallelujah. When you get there, say praise the Lord. When you get there, say there's joy in the house of the Lord. Okay, we there now. All right, all right. All right, let's go before the Lord in prayer. God, this is your word. God, this is your word. A word, God, that you said would not return void. A word that you call truth. You are the living word. And before there was time, there was your word. It was by your word that you spoke galaxies into existence. And it is you, the word, that descended from the galaxies in human flesh and walked among us. And you are among us now. God, give us eyes to see and ears to hear, please. Spirit of the living God, grant us the grace to know your presence and to be transformed by it. Please, we come against every evil force right now that wants to keep us from hearing what you have to say. And God, Holy Spirit, we pray, guard every mind and every heart in Christ Jesus. And those who don't know you, will you open their eyes? Release them from the bondage of the evil one. And grant them your full and fulfilling presence. Not by might, nor by power, but by your spirit we ask. And everybody said, Amen. So, watchful prayer. You're not supposed to simply be watching for those areas where you can give the devil a foothold. As you're praying, identifying the areas of sinful attitudes, disordered desires. There's something that should accompany your prayer life in addition. In Ephesians chapter 6, verse 18 He says, praying at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. Now, in that, Paul, we talked about. He just says, pray, keep alert, persevere all times. But now there's something that you don't see there that's in Colossians chapter 3 that is a parallel passage. Now, before I talk about that, and you could turn over to Colossians chapter 3, I want you to notice Colossians 3 and the parallels to Ephesians 4, 6. Now, we're going to do some kind of Bible. We're going to be in the Bible, kind of jumping around. Y'all ready? 
You guys ready? You ready to hop on this? Okay. All right. I want you to see this. Okay. Colossians 3 is a parallel in condensation to Ephesians chapters 4 through 6. Look at Colossians 3, 9. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices. That's a parallel to Ephesians chapter 4, verse 25. Therefore, having put away all falsehood, let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor, for we are members one of another. So I'm going to put the Ephesians ones up so you can see the parallels. I'm going to put them up on the screen. Look at Colossians chapter 12. Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another. And if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. Sounds just like Ephesians 4, 31 through 32. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another as Christ has forgiven you. Look at Colossians chapter 3, verse 5 and verse 8. Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, sexual morality, impurity, passion, evil desires, and covetousness, which is idolatry, verse 8. But now you must put them all away, anger, malice, slander, obscene talk from your mouth. Look at the parallel in Ephesians 5, 3 through 4. But sexual immorality, all impurity, covetousness, must not even be named among you as is proper among the saints. Let there be no filthiness, no foolish talk, nor crude joking, which is out of place, but instead let there be thanksgiving. Colossians chapter 3, verse 15. Look at verse 15. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. Look at Ephesians 5, 18. They're almost identical. And and do not be drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Holy Spirit, addressing one another in psalms, hymns, spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord in your heart, giving thanks always. If you look at verse 16 of of chapter 3 Colossians, it's almost identical. Let the word of Christ dwell instead of the Spirit in you richly, teaching, admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms, hymns, spiritual songs with thanksgiving in your hearts to God. Looking at Colossians chapter 3, verses 18 through 25, and I'm not going to read those, but if you look at Colossians 3, 18 through 25, what does verse 18 talk about? Wives submitting to your husbands. Verse 19, husbands love your wives. Then he goes into what? Children. We got children in here. Children obey your parents. Then verse 21, he talks about fathers. Do not provoke your children to anger. Then verse 22, he talks about bondservants being obeying their masters. That's exactly the same order that you see in Ephesians also, right? He talks about wives. Then he talks about husbands. Then he talks about children obeying their parents. Then he talks about fathers. Don't provoke your children to anger. And then he talks about what? Bond servants when it comes to their masters. So here you see basically in Colossians chapter 3, a condensation, if you will, of Ephesians 4, 5, and 6. Now, here's the issue in Colossians chapter 3. Now, we're at the end of Colossians chapter 3. In chapter 4, verse 1, he ends by talking about masters, treat your bondservants justly. 
Now, here's where the departure comes. Right in between verse 1 of chapter 4 and verse 2, what does Paul start talking about in Ephesians? Spiritual warfare, right? He talks about the armor. He talks about the fact that we fight not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, powers, rulers, so on and so forth. So here in Colossians, he leaves out all of the spiritual warfare passages. And where does he ultimately then jump to that is the same as Ephesians? Verse 2, continuously, steadfastly in, what's that word? Prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. So now, they're very similar. So here's what I want you to see. Ephesians chapter 6, verses 18 through 19 is going to be up there. And now I'm going to look at Colossians chapter 4, verse 2. And I want to ask you, what is missing from Ephesians 6, 18 through 19 that Paul includes with respect to prayer in Colossians 4, verse 2? Continue, excuse me, continue steadfastly. Well, that's what he says right there in verse 18, praying at all times. Same thing. Being watchful in it. He says, to that end, keep alert. Okay, that's the same. But what do we see in verse 2 that's not there in verse 18? With what? Thanksgiving. Everybody say thanksgiving. Okay. So here's the reality. And this was something that was just wonderful for me to see and astonishing in God's word. The discipline that must come alongside watchful prayer that we see in Ephesians 6, 18, so that you can have victory in the areas where the devil's trying to get a place and a space in your life, is thanksgiving. What? Saying thank you. Parents, we're always telling our kids, right? Say thank you. Thanksgiving? Really? When I saw that, I was like, wow. So I must be watchful in prayer, but what must be in it, he says, is with thanksgiving. Because here's the reality, church. Ingratitude is more satanic and destructive than we give credit for. Do you realize that the devil can get a place in your life because of ingratitude? Well, let's look at 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 1 through 2. But understand this, that in the last days, now we're talking about last days. We're talking about being prepared for the coming of Christ. We're talking about the apocalypse is coming. We're talking about fire and brimstone. We're talking about Jesus coming. We're talking about the last days. We are in the last epoch of God's redemptive history. And so you would think that it would be quite sinful in the last days, right? Some pretty grotesque things in the last days, right? Well, what does he tell us? But understand this, that in the last days, there will be times of difficulty. Well, what's going to be so difficult about them? For people will be lovers of self, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to parents, and what? Ungrateful. 
I talked about this probably a couple months ago that just blew me away. Romans chapter 1, verse 21. What is the very semblance of the wrath of God on a community? What is the wrath of God on a nation? What is the wrath of God on the world? What is the wrath of God on a life? For although they knew God, Romans 1.21, they did not honor him as God or give what? Thanks. And look what happens. But they became what? What's the end result? Futile in their what? Thinking. And their foolish hearts were what? Darkened. The domain of the devil. Now look at Ephesians chapter 5. And you see more of satanic tapas. Now we know in Ephesians chapter 4, Paul says, don't give the devil an opportunity, right? Don't give him a space. And we know that what are spaces? The spaces where the devil likes to try to get in is those sinful spaces. The places where we're in anger, where we're in sexual immorality, when we're in envy, when we're in strife. All of those areas are potential footholds for the devil. So now let's look at him enumerate some more footholds in Ephesians 5, starting at verse 3. But sexual immorality and all impurity or covetousness must not even be named among you. So those are all potential spaces for the evil one in your life if you give in to those sinful uh, behaviors. But look at verse 4. Let there be no filthiness, nor foolish talk, nor crude joking, which is out of place, but instead let there be what? Let there be thanksgiving. Paul describes numerous satanic areas that can take a foothold in your life. Sexual immorality, sexual sin, resentment covetousness, and right now some of you guys might find yourself there in sexual sin. There's probably an area, and what this is saying is, you're not walking in some area of gratitude. If you're in resentment right now, it's because there's some area in your life where there's not gratitude. Covetousness. He names covetousness in verse 3. Covetousness is, and maybe you might find yourself right there right now. Maybe you're coveting. What is covetousness? I wish I had. Where's your I wish I had right now? Where's your I wish I was right now? Where is your I wish he was right now? Where's your I wish she was right now? Where, where is your I wish it was right now? That's covetousness. And, and what, what, what Paul is telling us here is that if covetousness is going to get a hold, it's going to get a hold because there's no what? Gratitude. He even talks about foul language that comes into to, to our, 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 our hemisphere and the way we engage And whether it be out of jest, some of us just cuss because we think it's fun or cool. And some of us engage in foul language in the midst of our anger, right? I'll be catching some of y'all. I'll be catching some of y'all. Y'all don't don't see the pastors. We be walking around. We be seeing y'all. I know it. I know y'all be cussing. It's okay. Crude jokes. Crude jokes. Right? Back in the day when we was kids, it was your mama jokes. I don't know if they still do your mama jokes. Do y'all still do y'all still do your mama jokes? No? Okay. All right. Don't those are sinful. Don't do your mama jokes. Every mama's beautiful. All of them. Filthiness. So he's saying that 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 if the, if that is manifest, then there's a lack of 
thanksgiving, foolish talk. You know, you, you know them powwows that you get together with your girlfriends, fellas, fellas too, and it's all grumbling, right? Your powwows over coffee, fellas over the cigars and, and a beer, and, it, and, it, and it's complaining about this, and it's, it's gossiping about that. It's grumbling about this. It's the irreverent discussions that, that engage and ensue. It's, it's the talking down about that person, that individual, that situation. It's, it's that speech that's a part of the conversation when you guys are all kind of kicking in and hanging out that has no semblance of building up. All it is is just demonstrating contempt towards someone, contempt toward this, contempt toward that, talking down toward this, whatever it may be. Y'all know the powwows because there's plenty of powwows that are going on. And be careful in those DCs. In your small groups, this is where some of those powwows can happen. And what Paul is saying is the only reason why those things begin to come out of the, the conversations and the interactions in your relationships is because of ingratitude. For although they knew God, they did not honor him as God, but they're futile, but they did not give thanks. Now, here's what I want you to see I want you to see what happens. When you step into thanksgiving. And here's another parallel that was profound for me. Ephesians chapter 5 verse 18. You can look there. And the parallel is going to be up on the screen. Colossians chapter 3. Verses 15 and 16. So Ephesians 18 and I'm going to go. In Ephesians, and then I'm going to look at the text up there so you can kind of go with me. Verse 18, and do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. Now, Paul, in Colossians 3, after he says, he says, and let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful And now here's the parallel to be filled with the Spirit. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. So the parallel to being filled with the Spirit is letting the word of Christ dwell in you richly. And you'll see kind of where I get that soon. Then he goes on in Ephesians chapter 5. Addressing one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, making melody to the Lord in your heart. Look at verse 20. What is verse 20 saying? Giving what? Thanks. Now look at the parallel in Colossians that's up on the screen. Let the word of Christ dwell, which is the same as being filled with the Holy Spirit, teaching, admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing, psalms, hymns, the same thing that's in Ephesians. And what does he also say? With what? Thankfulness in your hearts to God. Now, here's the question that's astonishing for me. How do you get the Spirit so that Christ may dwell so that you can get the fullness of God? What we're seeing here is the prayer of Ephesians chapter 3. In Ephesians chapter 3, if you want to turn there, you can. Paul prays, strengthen them. He's praying, strengthen them with power Verse 16 of Ephesians 3. So the Spirit, and he says, strengthen them with power through 
the Spirit. So the way you get power, what he's praying for for the Ephesians, is that you got to get the Spirit. And then he says, what? So that Christ may dwell. That's where I get the dwelling of the combination between the Spirit being filled in Ephesians 5.18 and in Colossians there where he says, let the Word of Christ dwell. There is a constant combination of filling of the Spirit and Christ dwelling. And you also see that in uh, the farewell discourse of John, right, where Jesus is talking about let the Spirit be in you, and then I in you, and then the Father in you. So this whole idea of being filled with the Spirit means that Christ will dwell. And then Ephesians 3.19, in that prayer, the outcome is that you will be filled with the fullness of God. So that's Paul's prayer. And here you see him then describing how we actually get that prayer answered in our lives. Here's the question. Do you want more of the Spirit? Do you want to be, do you want to have Christ dwelling richly in you? Do you want to be filled with the fullness of God, Ephesians chapter 3? Do you want that? So here's the thing for me. I saw it as a prayer, but now I'm seeing now in the text how we can actually see that prayer realized in our lives. And so here's now my question going back to Ephesians chapter 5, looking at verse 18. Paul says, do not be drunk with wine, but be filled with the Spirit. Here's my question. How are you filled with the Spirit? Paul tells us how because he gives participles of means. Namely, he talks about filled, right? And then a participle describes the verb. The verb is be filled. Well, here's the question. How? So now he gives three participles, and here they are addressing one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. That's the first way you get the Holy Spirit filled, singing, making melody in your hearts with the Lord. I, I wanted to, I'll, I'll preach on that some other time, but corporate worship matters. He's saying right here, the means by which you get filled with the Holy Spirit is singing hymns, spiritual songs before the Lord in community. But then he gives now another participle of means. Watch this. What's the other means by which you get filled with the Holy Spirit? Verse 20, giving thanks. So really it could be translated by. So the way that you get more of the Spirit is by singing hymns, spiritual songs. It's by giving thanks. And it's the same thing in Colossians 3, 15 through 16. You see the participles of means. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly by teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, by singing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, and by what? Thankfulness. In other words... If you want to experience the answer to Paul's prayer in Ephesians chapter 3, that you might be strengthened with power through his spirit in the inner being so that Christ may dwell. And in dwelling, you might know the length, the height, 
the width, the depth of his power, and you might know and be rooted and grounded in his love, and that you know that love so profoundly that the very fullness of God himself dwells in you, the way that you can have that answered in your life right now is step into gratitude. I don't think y'all heard me. Oh, man. It's not all about just saying thank you because your mama or daddy said so. It's not about saying thankful, thank you just because it's a, a, a nice, cordial thing to do. It's a good cultural norm that we should participate in when, when somebody gives us something. This takes Thanksgiving to a whole nother level. And I'm going to give you another passage that, that should slap you upside the head. It slapped me. Philippians 4, 6 through 7. Any anxious people in the house right now? Come on now. Any anxious people in the house right now? Okay, come on now. Philippians 4, 6 to 7. Do not be anxious about anything, watch this, but in everything by prayer and supplication. That's usually where we stop. If I pray, if I bring my request before God, then, 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 then I'll experience the peace. But what does he say right there? Do it what? With thanksgiving. Let your request be made known to God, and then the promise comes along with it. Then the God of peace, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. For some of you right now, and Pastor James did a, such an eloquent job last week of talking about anxiety. If, you, if you're challenged in that way, listen to his message. It was just powerful last week. And there are exceptions, so I don't want to minimize just some of the exceptions. But overall, what the scriptures are admonishing us is some of y'all right now are dealing with your anxiety because you ain't praying with thanksgiving. You see, sometimes we go before the Lord in prayer and it's just a list, right? Sometimes we go into prayer. If we're honest, we go to prayer because we see it as a magic amulet, right? It's that thing that's going to get us to the thing that we want to get, so we got to pray about that thing. But see, when you step into thanksgiving, then it's no longer just simply you trying to prostitute God for what you want him to do for you and not giving control over to him because he's got something better for you. But see, when you step into thanksgiving, it's harder to pray that way. When you step into thanksgiving, you can release some of those things that you want that are getting you into a place of anxiety. You see, if you want the promise of peace, you got to bring thanksgiving into your anxiety. Because thanksgiving, watch this, is the conduit by which the Spirit fills you, igniting the presence of Christ in you so that the peace of Christ rests upon you and then it guards your mind and your heart in Christ Jesus. Because what did we just see in Ephesians 5? The way you get the Spirit is by thanksgiving. And so when you're in prayer in the midst of your anxiety and you bring that thing before the Lord and you step into thanksgiving in the midst of it, the Spirit rides along thanksgiving. Remember I told you guys the Spirit rides along the Word, right? I talked about that a few weeks ago. Well, guess what else the Spirit rides along? Thanksgiving. When thanksgiving is present, the Spirit is right there ready to swoop in. 
And this is why Paul tells us to engage in watchful prayer with thanksgiving. You see, watchful prayer with thanksgiving, Colossians 4.2, that's what we're called to. Watchful prayer with thanksgiving. It's not merely a nice Christian character trait. And I think perhaps some of us have approached it that way. Right? It's just one of those things that you should do as a Christian. You should be thankful. What we're seeing here in the text is that thanksgiving is a lot more than that. It's a sin-conquering, Satan-demolishing, peace-giving, love-enabling, joy-empowering force that can be yours right now in Christ Jesus. That's what blew me away this week in my study of the text. Oh, there's so much more to gain for me in Jesus by being thankful than just by looking like I'm holy in front of you because I said something nice and said thank you because you did something for me. Ooh, you got the spirit in this now. You got dwelling in me now. You got peace that can be mine now. So this is why in Colossians 4.2, Paul marries thanksgiving with watchful prayer. So now here's the question. How are we engaging watchful prayer with thanksgiving? How do we do it? Right? If we're called to do it and the benefits are wonderful for where you might find yourself right now, the question becomes is how? How? Well, we have Colossians 4.2 up, up there again. And... Um, you can look at Ephesians, we're still in Ephesians 6.18, and again, just to parallel it so you can see the parallel, they say the same thing. This is how, praying at all times. How does Paul say it in Colossians 4? Continue steadfastly. And I can't recall, but I think it's pretty much similar in the Greek. And then you see it in verse 18, he says, with all perseverance. So the way that you engage in prayer, watchful prayer with thanksgiving, is you do it all the time. Now, by all the time, what Paul is talking about there is it means, first of all, persistence. The way you engage watchful prayer in thanksgiving is you're persistent. You just keep coming to God with your requests, and you keep coming to God with thanksgiving that's coming behind them. Just like the widow, right? The persistent widow who, who just continue to plead and plead and plead. God has invited you to continue to bring your requests before him. But he doesn't want you to just constantly be battering him with the requests. He wants you to bring thanksgiving alongside with it. Because you know what thanksgiving does? It brings patience. It gives you a longer wick. He's going to answer. He's going to answer. He's going to step in. He's going to step into that in some way, shape, or form that is for your good and the glory of his name. He's going to step into that request that you've been praying for for a week, for a month, for a year, for five years. But Thanksgiving gives you the wick to continue to persist because at the end of it, whether it's been a week, you can still be thankful. Whether it's been a month, you can still be thankful. Whether it's been a year, you can still be thankful. Whether it's been 10 years, you can still be thankful.
Not only does it mean persistence, praying at all times, continuing in prayer steadfastly, it means existence. And we see Ephesians 18, praying at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance. It's as if Paul is saying, do it all the time, keep doing it, just make it a part of your existence. See, to pray at all times means not only persistence, but existence. It means always being in a spirit of thankful prayer throughout your day. To be be in a place of, of existence in that type of prayer is you're never more than a thought away from thanksgiving in prayer. When you walk into that appointment, you just thank the Lord for the simple fact that you got an appointment. It's when you're walking around and you see God's creation and you see the birds and they're chirping. You just thank the Lord for the fact that the birds are a reminder of the fact that you see the sparrows, how much more. God, thank you that you see me right now. You see, to be at always in prayer, you've heard the term pray without ceasing, right? That don't mean 24-7 prayer. Um, I know some of you, some of you think like, dang, God, like, how am I supposed to do that, right? I kind of used to get confused about that myself. I'm like, well, I must not be holy enough because pray without ceasing, that's just not me. It's, it's praying in a, in a posture of just being present with God in the ebbs and flows of the day. And just bringing him into the ebbs and flows throughout your day. It's living in a state of God consciousness, moment by moment. This is what it means to pray at all times. This is what 1 Thessalonians 5.12 means to pray without ceasing. Remember, here's the reality. If you're a Christian right now, the Spirit of God is in you. And you know what that means? The spirit in you is always crying out what? Abba, Father. And here's an indication of whether or not the spirit's in you, church. Hear me, hear me. Does your heart rise to the Father? Does your heart just rise to the Father when life is what life is throughout your day? If there's just an ebb and flow of you crying out, Abba, Abba right now, the kids are just driving me crazy. Abba, right now, I just don't understand why my boss is acting so crazy. Abba, I just don't understand why the finances look the way they do. Abba, I just don't understand why he or she won't change. Abba, I just don't... The Spirit just draws you in to bring Abba in. That's what it means to pray without sin. That's what it means to pray at all times. It's persistence, and it's a prayer of existence. And Kyle Strobel and John Coe, um, when I described even at the end of your day, last, a couple weeks ago, what it looks like to engage in watchful prayer. And again, remember we talked about watchful prayer is you bringing those areas that you see where the devil can get a foothold before the Lord and inviting the Spirit into those. He said, as I began to do that, as I began to just take 20 minutes at the end of my day and just survey my day and just be watchful about it and bring the Spirit into everything that went through my day, he said, one thing happened to me. I saw how much I should be thankful for, and I just missed it. Now, this is not easy. 
It takes effort. But it's not earning. But it takes effort. Watchful prayer with thanksgiving, there's no um, hack, right? Trying to, I can't give you some hack to, to it's really, it's, it takes work. It takes work. And no easy steps to a grateful heart. It's just habit building. It's just getting on the bike with training wheels and just beginning to develop and build that muscle, muscle of thanksgiving throughout the day. It's just determining and saying, you know what, God, will you give me the strength to just see what I need to be thankful for? It's opening your eyes and saying, God, thank you that I have another day. It's going to the refrigerator, opening it up and just saying, man, God, thank you that I got food in this fridge right now. It's, it's when the kids get up and say, mommy and daddy, it's time to get up. Man, praise the Lord that my child is healthy enough to tell me to get up. It's, it's walking into the office and being like, man, praise the Lord. And just building that muscle over time. And then what will happen over time, this is what discipleship is. Over time, it'll just become automatic. It'll just come forth. But you have to start at some point. One girl, she writes, one of the things that keeps her from gratitude, she said, many of my friends were recently invited on an all-expense-paid international trip. Great for them. But she says, I was left out. Of course, my first reaction was not to rejoice in their good fortune or delight that they got to enjoy an incredible experience. Initially, my heart was jealous, hurt, and stinging under a sense of entitlement. I'm in my mid-20s, and my generation is notorious for our attitudes of entitlement. We think we deserve more than we do, and when we don't get it, our entitlement siren starts blaring. That's something that stands in the way of gratitude. And I don't know if you're like me, but I'm not 20-something and I still got entitlement issues. You see, entitlement is the belief that we inherently deserve privileges or special treatment or that we have the right to something. And some of you right now feel like you have a right to something. That's why you're not content. That's why you're full of anger and bitterness and frustration is because you feel entitled. Whether it comes to big parts of life, I deserve to have children. So why am I struggling with infertility? After all, aren't children a blessing from God? I'm tired of being single. I've remained pure and I've sought you, Lord. So why haven't you brought God a spouse into my life? I'm such a hard worker. I don't understand why. I don't understand why I don't get the recognition that other people who do half the work that I do at my job. Entitlement touches the smaller areas. I'm a good homemaker, and I work hard to keep the house clean and tidy. But I deserve a bigger house, a better house, a house cleaner. How many of y'all want a house cleaner? Yeah. See, my wife was like this. I work so hard to provide for my family, so I deserve to sit down and click on ESPN. Oops. Oh, oh, 
Come on, fellas, man. It got real quiet up in here. I've been good with my finances. So I deserve to buy something that I want for a change. Piper says, when the high springs of gratitude to God fails at the top of the mountain, soon all the pools of thankfulness begin to dry up further down the mountain. And when gratitude goes, the sovereignty of self condones more and more corruption for its pleasure. And so I just started to ask myself, what does it look like to live in watchful prayer with thanksgiving? And so I sat at my desk and I did it. And I sat there and I had a lot to thank God for. I thank God for Grocery Outlet. You guys know me. Oh, no. <laughs> my, my daughter's like, oh, no. I told y'all the story, man. Have I told y'all the story? I probably have. Well, y'all going to hear it again. We bought our house in Altadena, right? There was a store there that was about a mile away, some, some store, and it was there. And I was like, man, there's nothing real close that I could really get something to that's by the house. We are kind of moving our stuff up there week after week, right? One week, I'm going down lake. I'm going down lake. And I look to the right, and guess what the sign says? Grocery outlet opening soon. Oh, Lord, what in my city? God, I know this is you. This is the Lord. Honey, God has called us to live in Altadena. Amen. Hallelujah. I just sat at my desk and I thought, I thank God the fact that I can walk my neighborhood. In the neighborhood where we used to live in, you didn't walk in my neighborhood. And we never even understood just the weight and the gravity of the burden of the simple fact that in some ways we even felt like prisoners in our own homes. But to just be able to be in a neighborhood where we can walk around and enjoy God's creation. And then I thank God that during a, a park visit for my daughter's baby shower, um, a friend of my wife's called and offered to help her with all kind of stuff that she didn't need. And I was like, wow, how wonderful is that, that this person just called and said, hey, I want to help. I was at a funeral. And at the end of the funeral, I put my hand in my jacket and I found $3. I said, thank you, Jesus. I got $3. You know when you put those things in your pocket, you know what I'm talking about? And you're like, man, that old cookie. <laughs> I was on my way back home and I realized that I was passing a Costco. I said, thank you, Jesus. So I can get some cheaper gas at Costco. We were at the park, and we ran into a couple, and we got to witness to them about Jesus and invite them out to the church. And I just sat there and said, wow, God, thank you that we had that opportunity. Just last week, my wife and I made some breakthroughs in our relationship. I just sat there, and I said, wow, stuff that's been lingering for five, ten years. God just stepping in. 
to my relationship for us to love each other better. I was watching Chosen. And um, I watched the series, the, the segment where Jesus meets the woman at the well. And his kindness toward her. So undeserving. She had multiple husbands. And the one she was with was not even her own. And just watching Jesus' response and interaction with that woman and the kindness in his eyes toward her. And as I sat there watching it, I just thought, those are God's eyes toward me and him. The kindness of God toward me. I am that woman at the well. And yet he's given me living water. And then I heard about one of our couples that was having an amazing impact on another couple in the life of our church. And I just thanked God. A brother for the last week has been sending me texts telling me about how God has been using him to meet other people. And bring them into a relationship with Jesus. Encountering Jesus on his commute, in his job, on his sites. Just tell him. And I'm just like, man, thank you, God, that I get to share in what you're doing through that brother's life. I was thanking God for the time I get to spend watching Lord of the Rings. Lord of the Rings, bomb, too. That, that prime, it's, it's off the hinges, man. I was thanking the Lord that some of y'all getting together with watch parties. I heard there's some watch parties in here. But my daughter and my son, they come over every Friday. And we just sit together and we watch Lord of the Rings and we geek out. My wife, having an interaction with someone, that just came home and she said, I just want to encourage you regarding this individual and just their perspective on what they see you as, as a pastor. And how encouraged I was by that. Sat down with another couple and they just talked about how in one year, all of the ways that God had moved in their lives through this church. And I was thankful. Even after that, my wife, she's a reformer. She's always reforming things. Now, before I used to get frustrated with that, because I'm like, dude, all you see is just critical. You're just critical of me. That's all you are all the time. I'm never enough. But I've been able to see the fact that she's told me, it's not because I want to criticize you. It's because I see something in you, and I want to make it even better for you. I see a better you. And I love the way she does that because one of these situations she did, she saw a situation where we were doing something and I was a little exhausted. So she came up with her reforming kind of mind. And she said, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to reform this a little bit. And so when I reform it, guess what you're going to get? You're going to get some donuts and another cartoon. Oh, Lord. Praise the Lord for your reformer heart. Praise God. And I thank the Lord for that. Last week, seeing Danny at the park. so thankful to see the way God has done wonders and is continuing to uphold him brought joy to my soul I thought about all the people Rev, James, Stephen 
worship team, lunch ministry, kingdom kids, AV, prayer team, elders in training, Newly, Mickey, Jacob, Danielle. Person after person just came to my mind as I sat at my desk and thought, man, I have so much to be thankful for. And then yesterday, I've been memorizing Ephesians chapter 4, verses 1, 4 through 14, and I began to think about how thankful I am that every heavenly blessing is mine in Christ, that even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that I should be holy and blameless before him. In love, he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ according to the purpose of his will, to the praise, to the praise. That's thanksgiving. That's what he's doing. To the praise of his his glorious grace. In him you have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of your trespasses according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will, according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ Jesus as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth in him. In him you have obtained an inheritance having been predestined. Come on. Come on. And as I sit in my backyard testing out a speaker, the song House of the Lord came on by Anthony Evans. I love Anthony Evans because he puts the gospel flag to, to, to some of these songs. I'm, I, I like Hillsong. Hillsong is cool. But, but, but you, you, you put a gospel on it, and then we, we, we doing something now. And Anthony Evans, he just puts a gospel flavor to all of those songs that we sing. And that song came on. There's joy in the house of the Lord. There's joy in the house of the Lord today. And we won't be silent. Shout out your praise there's a part where he begins to sing. We were the beggars. Now we're royalty. We were the prisoners. Now we're running free. We are forgiven, accepted, redeemed by his grace. Let the house of the Lord sing praise. And the choir comes in. We were accepted. Ah, now we're royalty. We were forgiven, and now we've been set free. We are accepted, accepted, redeemed by his grace. Let the house of the Lord sing. Praise, and then the beat drops. There's joy in the house. I was back there just having a good old time because all of those things are true for me in Jesus. I'm forgiven, I'm accepted, I'm redeemed, and you are too in Christ. 
And that's why he says, let the house of the Lord sing praise, because here's the reality. Praise is the overflow of a gratitude heart. Praise is the overflow of a grateful heart. And I found myself just full. Watch this. When I sat there and just talked, thought about all I was thankful for, you know what I was full of? I was full of joy. I was full of peace. I was full of love. I was full of patience. The things that were weighing me down just didn't seem as weighty anymore. The things that had me in discontent just didn't seem to land the way they were landing before. Because here's the reality. You can't be thankful and angry at the same time. You can't be grateful and gossiping and complaining and grumbling in the same sentence. You can't feel entitled and be glad-hearted about all of the Ephesians 1 heavenly blessings that are yours in Christ Jesus. It's either one or the other. And that's why Paul compels us at all times. Imagine if we lived like that. At all times. Prayer with thanksgiving. The devil has no room. He has no room. Because you got to give in to bitterness, anger, frustration, envy, gossip. You have to give in to those things to give him room. But if you're full of gratitude for all that you have in Jesus, then there is no room for those things. And when you choose watchful prayer with thanksgiving, you have the victory. So I must admit, I must admit that I have underestimated the spiritual power of thanksgiving, honestly. This was a revelation from me, your pastor, honestly. I know you've heard it before, but I'm asking you, are you hearing it differently now? I know we all know you should be thankful. But are you seeing the wonder and the power of the spiritual implications that are for you in Jesus in thanksgiving? The Ephesians chapter 5, 18 correlation of being filled with the Spirit and thanksgiving rocked me. The correlation with the answer to the Ephesians chapter 3 prayer and the fact that I can get the strength of the Holy Spirit and dwell with the Spirit, know the length, the height, the breadth, and the depth, be rooted and grounded in His love. How? By actually stepping into all that I have in Jesus in gratitude. That's crazy to me. And that's why Paul says, do it at all times. Because if you exist, if you exist in gratitude, you won't be anxious. You won't be bitter. You won't be full of envy. There won't be anything to gossip about because all you have to do is just praise Jesus for everything he is for you. And so here's the reality. I want to encourage you in this. In those relationships that you're in right now, that you're discontent with, I want you to start thinking about what you can be grateful for in those people in your life. And I can guarantee your posture toward them will change. I want you to consider your situation right now. You're not happy about your job. 
You're not happy about this situation. You're not happy about this situation. I want you to try to step into gratitude and thankfulness in Christ Jesus and see what that does to your heart. And for some of you right now, you may have been asking God, God, I need a breakthrough. I need some kind of breakthrough here, Lord. And for those of you, perhaps the Spirit is telling you this today. When you break out in watchful prayer with thanksgiving, you'll get your breakthrough. You'll get your breakthrough. So can we do that now? I asked you to bring that area of needed victory in your life. Where's the area that you find yourself full of ingratitude? And here's what I want you to do. I want you to bring that before the Lord right now. As we just take a short time of meditation, I want you to bring that before the Lord. Where is the discontent? Where's the anxiety? Where's the frustrations? Where's the discouragement? Where's the doubt? And I want you to just tell the Holy Spirit, bring that thing before the Holy Spirit even right now. Just bring it, bring it before him. And first, just let him meet you in it. Just be honest. This sucks. I'm angry about this. I'm frustrated. I'm discouraged. He can hold that. He wants you to bring that to him. So let's just take some moments just to be there. Here's what I want you to do next. Two things. One, I want you to ask God. God, will you give me a heart of gratitude in the midst of that place right now? Spirit of God, please, be on my heart with gratitude. And then I want you to start to rehearse all of the things that you can think of that come to mind that you can be grateful for. Just start, to, just start telling them to yourself. And just take those things before the Lord and tell them, God, in the midst of it, I can be grateful for this. God, I'm grateful for this. I'm grateful for that. I'm thankful for this. I'm thankful for that. Just take a few moments to just do that.
understand a little bit more now why Paul continues to repeat in Ephesians chapter 1 to the praise of his glory to the praise of the glorious grace because he saw enough of the heavenly blessings that were his that he stayed in a place of praise because he was thankful for so much God, will you give us hearts of gratitude? Will you meet every person right where they are? God, will you speak to the discouragement, the discontent, the doubt, the frustrations? And God, will you open their eyes to see more than anything all that they have in you? And will you use that Holy Spirit to quiet their heart and soul? In Jesus' name.